Is the RBA counting on the dollar crashing? Let's have a look. Good morning everyone. I'm Florian Heiser and welcome to another episode of Heiser Says. I've got my morning stein of coffee and I thought we would have a look at this article. Starting the week with Stephen Leet's article he's written on ABC asking if the lower dollar will bail out the Australian economy. Now will a lower dollar bail out the economy, raise wages and lower unemployment? The RBA is hoping so. So before we get into this article, let's just jump over to a website I love, or two websites I love. First is from the Observatory of Economic Complexity, and we can see just to get an overview of the Australian economy. But fundamentally, really simply, if the Australian dollar goes down, these goods that we're manufacturing in the nation will become and exporting will become more affordable on a global scale. Buying, you know, iron ore or coal, even though a lot of it is priced at you know, traded in US dollars, but the manufacturing costs here in Australia, which is placed in Australian dollars, will go down, it'll make it all more affordable. But there's a flip side to it. Remember, it's not all good. It'll also make education for international students more affordable, and it will make Australians, or Australia, more, you know, enticing as a nation or a destination for tourists, because your dollar or whatever you're spending will go further when you convert it to Australian dollars. But, and there is always a but people, all of these products that we're importing will become more expensive because the purchasing power of our Australian dollar, if it sinks down, will diminish. We won't be able to purchase as many portions of car for the same dollar or as much refined petroleum or broadcasting equipment or computers. So all of these things which will go up. So the challenge is, or the concern is, if these things are more affordable and that pumps more mon money into our economy, fantastic, and that will hopefully filter through, everything here will get more expensive. That will reduce our quality of life and increase our cost of living. So, you know, will the increase in employment resulting from the you know, more affordability on a global scale of our exports be offset in the decreased employment resulting from the increased cost of our imports and a reduction in the quality of life and discretionary spending of the average Australian. That's before we even look at the implications of mortgage stress and potential for defaults resulting from increased costs of living. So with that in mind, guys, Let's jump in and have a look at this article and let me know what you all think about this proposal. So putting together the latest quarterly update on the Australian economy could hardly have been a fun job for the Reserve Bank. Not only did the September quarter statement on monetary policy blow out to a record 87 pages, it was bulked up with downward revisions to forecasts and admissions that fundamentally important measures of the economy's health would not be met for the foreseeable future. I mean, just think about that. This is the problem when they're making predictions or data and they come back and revise it. It's like the auction clearance rates. The media will report on the first number, not the revised lower number a week later. It's funny that, isn't it? The RBA's best guess is unemployment edging down from 5.2% to 5% at the end of 2021. Now, they're getting every other prediction wrong. 
So based on that, based on the fact that they have failed at every other prediction, do you think this prediction is right? Let me know in the comments. Where would you bet your carton, guys? Can, can you actually... Let me know. Can you bet on RBA predictions with the tab? Not that I'm encouraging people to gamble. I'm just interested because... Bloody hell, you know, I put 100 bucks against them <laughs> just to give it a shot. Almost be a certain thing, wouldn't it? So this is still, still well short of its ideal idea of full employment of 4.5% or lower. Not surprisingly, the RBA pretty well waves the white flag on wage growth, or in the words of the SOMP, wages growth is no longer expected to pick up. Wages growth is now forecast to stagnate at just 2.3%, annual growth off into RAB's distant forecasting horizon. And this is the problem, guys. The further ahead in the future you get, the greater the margin of error in their predictions. I mean, that's just the outcome of this modeling. I mean, come on. So more weak data on the way. It is likely that the RBA will at least be able to say, I told you so, when the latest wage and jobs data drop this week. Both should be underwhelming. Forward-looking indicators such as business surveys and job ads have been deteriorating, while the most recent batch of enterprise bargaining agreements have hardly warmed the hearts or filled the wallets of workers. Wage increases offered to construction workers via EBAs this year have roughly halved. Well, I mean, we just need to look at the number of building approvals, how they've declined in, in the construction sector, guys. Yeah. Those applauding September's fall in the unemployment rate could well remember that uh, to two decimal places it was 5.25%, uh, rounded down to 5.2%. Well, yeah. I mean, guys, that's it. It's only a trending trending decline. I, I, I wonder if we're going to get enough increases in the Christmas period in retail. A slight softening in the rate of jobs growth could well see another spate of unemployment jumps back to 5.3% headlines and ruin everyone's day. The other point to make is even more important measures of spare capacity in the economy, the underutilization rate, the, the unemployed and those looking for more work combined remains at historically high levels. And while it does, wages growth will be stunned. So here we go, the underutilization rate. I mean, have a look at it there, guys. This is the, the big issue. And what I will do is I will link to the Roy Morgan video I did about the... Um, employment rate, their methodology for measuring unemployment is different to the ABS's. And you've got to understand, I don't consider the ABS method as accurate as the Roy Morgan method. I prefer their methodology simply because it has a more realistic understanding of working and they don't fiddle the figures as much. But that's just my opinion. Have a look at that video and let me know what you think in the comments. So RBA holding firm on GDP. The RBA's retreat on unemployment and wages makes it hope to get inflation back into the target 2 to 3% band have been dashed. Its preferred trimmed mean or underlying inflation measure finally hits the lowest reaches of the target just as the extremity of the RBA forecasting capability. Well, there you go. The fact that it has been below the target for five years says a bit about RBA's marksmanship on inflation. I mean, there you go, five years, guys. What's the, what's the point in them even making predictions? 
This is the thing. There's some underlying fundamental issues with their methodology. Through all this stagnation, the RBA has somehow managed to come up with a more positive bottom line for GDP growth. Well, I think I'm with uh, Stefan here. And I don't agree. How, how can they come up with a more positive line for GDP growth? GDP has been stagnant for years. You know, I will link to this video showing how depressed our GDP has been since the GFC. Okay, and if you look at, we've been below trend. Our growth has been below trend since the GDP. And that's one definition for being in a depression. The economy is significantly smaller than it should have been. It's even worse if you look, remove uh, immigration or if you look at it per capita. So it forecasts growth steadily picking up steam, hitting 3% within 18 months. So guys, let, let me just a little survey in the comments. Let me know if you think it's going to grow to 18 months. You know, you agree with this statement, with their forecast. Let me know in the comments, yes or no. Yes, why? And no, please explain. Because what is what fundamentally will be driving it will be driving it it's just immigration is that driving is that enough is that enough so it's 1.4 percent the last time the bureau of statistics looked the weakest result since 2009 when the gfc was bringing economies around the world crashing down much of the rba's optimism and retention of long-time forecasts for growth is based on upgrades for housing construction still contracting but not as much and business investment okay okay housing construction is contracting there's a huge confidence issue particularly in the multi-res we've got a lot of stock that needs to disappear needs to be absorbed now business investment business investment would you want to risk investing with the economy would you base would you base your business expansion decisions on the rba's advice or what you're reading in the media let, let me know in the comments if you know we've got a lot of people in business a lot of people in construction tradies builders watching the channel engineers and professionals would you jump now and invest or are you going to hold off until you absolutely absolutely need to you know buy that new computer you know i'll, I'll you know, keep that machine running a bit longer or invest in that new piece of serving equipment or upgrade your ute or you're just going to push it a bit longer I'd bet a carton people are going to push it a little bit longer. But I'd like to hear your take on that, guys. So, and the weaker dollar. And here's, here's the big concern. The RBA has also tacitly acknowledges, sorry, also tacitly acknowledges a weaker Australian dollar would help its planning. Their modeling suggests that a depreciation of the exchange rate by 5% leads to an increase in GDP growth of roughly half a percentage point over the forecast period to the end of 2021. ANZ head of Australian economics, David Plank said, this pickup in economic activity also lowers the unemployment rate by an estimated 0.4 percentage points to 4.5% and raises trimmed mean inflation by around 0.3 percentage points to 2.25% by the end of 2021. I'd love to see that modeling, you know, because well, they do all of these, all of these things that the RBA are predicting are based on modeling. And the problem is with modeling, guys, it's a simplified version of reality. You've got to understand that the economy is a very complex, I would argue, an emergent system. And the problem is, if you have limited data 
that is out of date and you're trying to predict the future on it in an emergent system, there is a significant potential for error. And we're seeing that repeatedly. And then also you can have unknown factors come in and affect your system, which are completely beyond our control or completely beyond our ability to predict. What do you think would happen if all of a sudden the president of China died and all trade negotiations was cut for six months? What do you think would happen? I think I'd be very happy I'd bought some silver, but we'll see. You never know what can happen, guys. So this is this is the, the whole issue of this modeling. In other words, problem solved. Okay, where's the discussion? What about the increase in cost of living? I mean, if our dollar goes down, it's going to be able to purchase less. There's one thing that's being discussed at the moment is milk and dairy products. A lot of the dairy farmers in North Queensland can't afford to produce because imported product is so much cheaper. Now, a lot of our milk and cheese comes from New Zealand. They're a big exporter in that product. I prefer New Zealand product to Queensland product. And because of my diet and the research I've done, there's a higher percentage of the product coming from New Zealand that's grass-fed as opposed to grain-fed or other feedstock that happens here in Queensland. And for me, it's more beneficial, everything I've read. Now, here's the issue. I would still buy it even if it was more expensive. And the problem is, you know, if that, got, if that went up in price because the dollar went down, I'm buying an imported product, it's going to affect my cost of living and it'll put a big dent in our budget, our food budget. Well, you know, we're a big family, we eat a lot of cheese. And, you know, is that modeled into this? Because CPI, they tend to ignore food, don't they? They don't model food because it just varies so much. But I wonder, I wonder. So the trick is how to get there when, as the RBA concedes, it's almost out of conventional tools to lever the dollar down and that further cuts could unintentionally convey an overly negative view of the economic outlook. Perish the thought. Well, I mean, let's just have a look here at consumer sentiment. Look at that. Look at that red line plunging down. What does that tell you? I mean, yeah, consumer sentiment is crashing. The board was mindful that rates were already very low and that each further cut brings closer the point at which other policy options may come into play. The SO MP noted about the decision to cut rates in October, making it clear the weight and seat stance would be maintained in the short term at least. Only a gobsmackingly bad set of jobs and wages numbers this week could change that. And even then a cut in December would only be a maybe proposition. Westpac's Bill Evans says all things considered, another rate cut early next year is the most likely outcome. So the overview of the RBA's Hang on, we're down here. The overview of the RBA's growth outlook, while largely unchanged from August, still appears to be overly optimistic, particularly around the residential construction cycle and business investment, Mr. Evans said. I would have to certainly agree with Mr. Evans. I get the feeling that the RBA is constantly overly optimistic. In some ways, is that what they're doing, just trying to talk up the economy? I don't think they have the charisma of other global leaders. On the other hand, the downbeat view on wages, inflation, and the unemployment rate make it clear that the RBA does not believe that its job is done, and so we can expect further policy action from the RBA in 2020. We expect the RBA to cut to 0.5% in February 2020 and to move to unconventional policies at an appropriate time, Mr. Evans said. Unconventional policies, QE. What else are they going to do? Negative interest rates. Lucky they've got that cash ban, guys. So markets. 
Global markets paused to mull over President Donald Trump's remarks that he had in fact not agreed to roll back US tariffs targeting China. Traders clearly thought, what the heck, and went back to switching lower risk assets for high risk ones. The three major US stock indicate indices all turned a soft start on Friday into another leg up, propelling them to record closes and sorry to record closes and the fifth successive week of gains. The ASS looks set to hop on Wall Street's coattails and enjoy a solid start to the week. So since the start of October, when talks of US-China trade truce emerged again, global equities have put on 7%, while global interest rates have moved higher. There's also been relatively good news in manufacturing surveys about new orders and factory output, while earning figures from US corporates are better than have been feared. Well, I thought the US, the last factory output data from the US has gone down. That's the last thing I had a look. So it's hardly a slingshot recovery. And here we go, I will link to this if you wanna go through the data, the diary of what's coming up. So guys, it is going to be interesting to see what happens with this week. But what's more concerning is the RBA's hope of a cash reduction. Let's jump over before we finish up We'll jump over to trading economics. Let's have a look at our historic data. Yeah, I mean, we can see the Australian dollar is at 68.5 cents. 2002, it got down to 48 cents. The last GFC in 2008, we went from 97 cents, plummeting down to 59 cents. And then we climbed right up. I remember when it was over a dollar. This is when we actually purchased some things from the States. But yeah, have a look at that, guys. So what do you think will happen? Do you think the RBA's plan is on target? Let me know in the comments if you are planning to do business investment to help out. Anyway, guys, thanks for watching. Like, share, and subscribe. If you like my content and want to help me produce more, I do have a Patreon and a subscribe star where you can make a small monthly donation. I also have PayPal and Amazon. With the Amazon, I receive a small referral commission, which doesn't cost you a cent more, and helps promote the channel. I'd also like to thank the recent donations I received from viewers in uh, Hong Kong and South Korea via PayPal. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Take care, everyone. Have a great day, and I will talk to you later. Bye for now.